about what we're reading, watching and listening to as well. I'm Sasha Kelly. I am a Melbourne-based podcast host and podcast producer. Um, Cheeky little update to my bio there, Laurel. And I'm joined as always by my co-host, Laurel Henning, who is a Sydney-based journalist. Laurel. How'd I go? You did very well. There was a moment there at the end where I thought you, you looked like you were unsure of what I do. And I was like, no, 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 she's got it. She's, she's getting there. And it was just probably just it. the shock of changing from being a nomadic podcast producer to being a Melbourne-based podcast producer. There you go. You heard it here first. Exactly. And I think it was also um, just running out of breath when you, you know you've got a lot of words to say and all of a sudden you get to the end of the sentence and the air just doesn't quite carry you through but there you go these are the behind the scenes little morsels that you're getting tonight uh laurel i think we should start off and acknowledge that we have had a bit of a gap a serious hiatus yes and it wasn't planned but we hope you all forgive us and sometimes that's just life isn't it? life happens you know sasha you were saying to me, because we met up this week and it was delightful. We are now not face-to-face. We are face-to-face virtually on the wonders of technology. But we actually saw each other this week in Sydney, which was wonderful. Really gave me a pep in my step for that day, which I much appreciated. But as you said, when we met up, you knew when I was like, yeah, we're totally going to record when I'm in the UK. And you were like, she says that now. (laughs) little did I know that I was going to get COVID, be in a car accident and all these other amazing dramas that happened to me in my six-week trip to see my family. Everyone is fine. (laughs) I'm glad to hear everyone's fine and sometimes that's when you go, just an unexpected hiatus, like we've just got to have a bit of a break. Well, I'll start off there, even though you had a very eventful trip and it was really about re-engaging with lots of friends that you already have. Uh, Did you do anything that you think strengthened your friend making or made any new friends? Oh, were there anything strengthened my friend making? That's a really good question. I was going to talk about, yes, indeed, the sort of reconnection with those friends that are like really deep friendships, old friendships, people I've known since I was sort of 10, 11 years old. Um, A bunch of us schoolmates sort of met up on the Easter weekend and that was really nice. And it just, yeah, we haven't seen each other like that for, yeah, two and a half years. And that was really special. So yeah, seeing those friends that, you know, know you so deeply was such a lovely experience. Um, But equally reconnecting with friends in Australia when I've got back and people who just ground you again when you're sort of thoughts racing in a million miles an hour because even three days into your return I was like yeah yeah I'm gonna solve all of these things that I need to do like I need to do them all now and everyone just calmly looking at me as you are now sort of shaking and (laughs) nodding their heads being like no no you don't need to do that um but something I did do which was a little bit different Not something I've never done before, but I've never done in the UK, was I went to a local choir practice with my dad and stepmom because they've joined a local choir in a very sort of military wives meets calendar girls sort of a way. And we went and there was the very sparkly Tracy, who was our choir master. And I feel like even just saying Tracy, you can just see the sparkle and sequence that Tracy was wearing. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and we sang and it was so nice to join their choir and everyone was really welcoming. And um, it was just a really lovely, lovely thing to do. So that was my one sort of 
social connection thing, you know, meeting a group of people that I didn't know. Um, No, I love that. I think trying new things is always, always a great, great activity to partake in because even if you don't, even if you don't meet a new firm, fast friend that you're going to have forever, you do learn something new about yourself and the longest relationship you'll ever be in is the one with yourself. There it is. So I'm feeling very, very self-healthy tonight. But I do think that, you know, just learning something new about how you deal with trying new activities is always kind of beneficial. Oh, love that. But in your self-help, have you been meeting other people? <laughs> no, I've got to say, so I'm going to beg forgiveness. I think after spending two months in Sydney and not really you know I do have friends there you're Hello. a friend you're there <laughs> um but not really having an established uh network set up and not really having a whole wide range of friends uh to connect with when I went back to Brisbane which is my hometown which is my parents live I just kind of took a break and really became a bit of a hermit I mean at the same time I did get COVID so I feel like I have a bit of a free pass because you're not supposed to see anyone while you've got COVID. And then I just uh, worked so intensely. I caught up with some old friends, um, which was really, really nice. And I just had such a nice time reconnecting with them and seeing them. But I didn't, I've got to say, I'm here um, telling you how triumphant I think it is that you're trying new things. And I have not done that, but I've got a few plans. I've moved back to Melbourne. I'm back here. I do have a few things up my sleeve that I'd like to do. So I'm hoping that's a nice tease for a future episode when I can tell you about it. Oh, good on you. I love that. Also, in celebration of slowing down, having referenced my rapid fire thoughts and trying to problem solve my entire life within three days of returning to Sydney. This evening, before we sat down to record the episode, I had a really slow and lovely dinner making time and drank a glass of wine and just slowed down and put on my sort of meditation playlist that I have for myself and it was the most relaxed and lovely time so yeah sometimes it's just important to slow it on down exactly that's what I think well let's get into what we've been doing with our time our slow time where do you want to start good question well I could do I know that you were saying at the top, you're like, I haven't really read anything, but, and I'm always going to go straight for books, but I thought we could do a quick check-in on my reading goal for this year, which, yes, as you know, was, I wanted to try and read a book a week. I am including audiobooks. Say what you want about that, but I am. And before my trip, gosh, I was doing well. Gosh, I was doing well. Smashing that goal. That's what I was doing. And now... We are in, ladies and gents, week 18 of this year, which is kind of terrifying in and of itself. That is terrifying. (laughs) Excuse me? Week 18? Week 18. And I have read 18 books. (gasps) Well done. Oh, you have me on 10 hooks then. I I can feel it. Okay. So, well, we've had about six, we've had about four, six weeks off, right? Yeah, we have. Which which one of the six are you going to pick? Well, that's the thing. In the I was so far ahead of myself. I didn't read six books while I was away. I think I read three, so I've oh. really slowed down. And I'm so I've got about a week's grace period now. If I've completed eighteen, but we're in the eighteenth week of the year, just to, you know, 
really get into the technicalities of this goal that I've set for myself. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, basically, this week, gotta gotta finish that book this week. Mm-hmm, it's never mm-hmm. it's never been more important than it is now. But over the break, what was my favorite book? God, I've really hammed up the drama on this, haven't I? You have, and now I'm like on ten talks going, <laughs> what's gonna happen? <laughs> That was my, that was my like tension music. Okay, enough, enough now. Um, my read of the trip was a book called The North Water by Ian Maguire, which came out in 2016 and was also recently made into a TV series starring Colin Farrell as a truly atrocious human being called Henry Drax. Um, and the book is set on a whaling ship in the 1800s. It is truly dark. It is horrific. It is violent. Oh. It's basically Peaky Blinders at sea, I would say. I haven't seen Peaky Blinders, so I'm really shockingly not on. I'm looking at your face. I I am not up with that reference. Although, I, d- I mean, no, I do know a reference because I've seen the trailers, but yeah, I haven't watched it. I've I've shocked Laurel into submission and this has never happened. There's not a TV show that I haven't watched. I don't even know what to say to that, considering it literally it's only just in the last few weeks completely finished forever. Yeah. I don't know what I had to, anyway. Okay. Well hopefully Let's just leave that stunned moment for the Hopefully for the other people listening have watched Peaky Blinders, unlike you, and they know <laughs> They know what to expect from that reference. But I bought it from one of the highlights of my trip was going to my favourite bookshop in the entire world, or definitely in the UK, which is Jaffa Neal in a little town called Chipping Norton. And basically, I have corresponded with the people in this bookshop while I've been in Australia to send uh, gifts to family and friends. And they have posted them out and they've gift wrapped them beautifully and they've written little postal tags on them for for Christmas. And it was so much fun. Anyway, so I was writing back and forth to them during, especially during the pandemic. So when we, whenever I'm home, my mum and I love to go to this bookshop and we went early on in the trip and I was like, oh, it's me. I was writing from Australia. And so I probably got to to see the the owners of the bookshop face to face and and have lots of chats with them, which is really nice. But I said, oh, I'm going to read the Northwater for a, for a book club that I'm part of in Australia. And the bookseller, the owner of the bookshop was like, I can't actually look at you while I'm talking about how shocking the first page of this novel is. Like, I, I, I don't know that I can actually look you in the eye as I sell you this book. So, so if you like wow. a book that will raise your eyebrows and leave you a little bit horrified, this is the book for you. <laughs> yeah, that's my reading recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I have read something. But I haven't finished it. And I'm not sure how relevant, I'm not sure how interested people are. But, you know, this is just what we read. So I'm just going to bear my soul and tell you. And I've read, I've been reading a book called Save the Cat, Write a Novel, which is an instructional book on how to write books. <laughs> what drew you to this? Are you planning on writing a novel, Sasha? Um. So I feel like now is the time to reveal to you and our listeners that I've always dreamt of being, well, not always, but I've always wanted to try and write a romantic fiction book, like in the style of Mills and Boone or... A bodice ripper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Oh, yeah. I'm and, so um, here for this. <laughs> and uh, so I've sketched an outline. And every couple of months or so, I spend a day or like a day. I spend a couple of hours just writing one of the chapters. Um, now, the problem is that I've been reading this book and it's been pointing out the problems in my plot summary. So I've been having to make a couple of adjustments. So it feels to me like the future of this book is many, many years away. But I am... I'm just excited by it. And I've got to say, as someone who spends, you know, this is going to be the the serious or slightly useful part of this conversation, which is as someone who spends their days reading stories, um, podcast stories and writing podcast stories and trying to shape them, I always find this kind of writing, this instructional, like how to shape things Mm. interesting. So I think it's informing that part of my brain as well. But yes, I think um, I'm reading it because I just really am hoping on some page it gives me the secret of how to write the next 50 shades of gray except with you know a little bit more artistic integrity <laughs> now have you got a good nom de plume for your bodice ripper oh um i have a work in progress but i don't think it's as good as it could be and i'm going to keep it a secret because i think i need to I think I need to. But work I mean, on your your bit, name you know? as an author, as like a romance author, what would your name be? Because I assume it's not going to be Sasha Kelly. No, no. I was thinking of Milo Fantastic. Victoria, which is my my first pet, a mouse called Milo, and um, the street that I one of the streets I grew up on because I thought that was just like quite a yeah, very good. <laughs> I don't know. You feel like Milo would read it, would write a juicy, a juicy topic, and it and it's quite um gender non-specific, so you don't know, don't know what Milo might be writing about. I don't know. So yeah, that's my um that's my big reveal to you, Laurel. That is Laurel. brilliant. That is brilliant. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to read it. Um, what have yeah. you been listening to? Ah, uh, well. I listened to Sway, which I have recommended before, but um, Tina Brown, who's the former editor of Vanity Fair and The New Yorker and generally is one of my idols, uh, she's written a new book called The Palace Papers about the royals. And she's, as a lot of authors are, when they write something new, they go on a bit of a um, podcast tour and talk about it and I just I listened to this episode of Sway uh with Kara Swisher and Tina Brown and just found her such an eloquent and interesting perspective on what's kind of a bit of a fluffy topic which is the royals you know they're not it's not what intellectually rigorous people spend their time thinking about I would argue that's kind of the common perception of the royals, but I I find Tina Brown quite fascinating and I always enjoy her perspectives. And I just thought the fact that she, as an English woman who's spent most of her career in America, has that really unique bilateral, I would say, opinion on on the unique perspective it is to be an American who marries into the royal English royal family because I can't imagine that – that seems to have the Megan problem seems to have just confounded Brits. When I was over there, that seemed to be the vibe that I got. 
Anyway, so I've listened to that. And then she's also done a podcast with the Wall Street Journal uh, with Joanna Coles, which I'm halfway through, which I'm also really enjoying because Joanna Coles is also an English woman living in America. So I just think that that shared experience of both being newspaper editors and journalists uh, living on the other side of the pond, as they say, is always um, best podcast. You feel like you're eavesdropping on your, your good friends. And, and I just love spending time with intelligent women in that way, even though they don't know that they're sharing it with me. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess um, my question to you would be, do you care about the Royals at all? Or is this a bit of oh, a... Oh God, I feel like there's no good answer here. Or there is, there's a there's one, I don't know. Ah. <laughs> I feel um, a sense mm. of guilt in our sort of age bracket and I guess the people that we would probably uh, socialise with and talk to in terms of being like, yeah, I grew up like loving the Royals <laughs> and I think as my, my family's probably like really into the Royals and um, yeah, so I think I remember it wasn't long after I moved here. It was in the, within the first month that I moved here that Harry and Meghan got married. And I remember getting up and like watching it all and being really excited about watching this wedding. And um, yeah, I think, oh, but in the same way that I spent hours this week watching all of the Met Gala coverage, like I just love that pageantry. And at the same time, socially, it's absurd and ridiculous. Yes, that this is funded by taxpayers who can't even afford to heat their own homes that is mad um yeah we could get into a whole discussion about about all of that but do I enjoy the pageantry and watching people in nice dresses yes (laughs) sorry (laughs) (laughs) and you've got to be honest because if you can't be honest here where else can you be I I agree I'm I'm a staunch Republican from the Australian part of my passport but uh when I have my British passport in my hands I do think there's a place for the monarchy and I think they're such an essential part of not essential is the wrong word they're such an intrinsic part of your tradition as a country I think it's I think it's interesting and entertaining and fascinating and all of the it's a family business that's just quite unlike any other family business out there. Yeah, which is mad. And I guess, and yes, so intrinsically part of tradition and history, but not necessarily a positive tradition and history. So it's a very, yeah, it's a very complicated thing to think about and talk about when we're mainly just thinking about what we're reading and listening to. I know, I, do, I know, it's and not like the, the time. And the other thing is, I just like, the thing that fascinates me about the Royals is more, and I guess this is because of my age, but also... Um, it's more the Diana thing fascinates me more than anything else because it's just it 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 blows my mind that this event mainly her death it's not even her it's her death and the fact that we are still obsessed with that like this as a British people are still obsessed with that this this far on from the fact we have not let it go we cannot let it go it and it's it's absurd it's nothing to do with any of us it's to do with you know the children whose mother she was who are now grown men and it that sort of fascinates me and blows my mind just as just as another aside mm. but yeah so it's the dress <laughs> and royal. the death of diana <laughs> 
Ah, well, on that note, what are you listening to? I didn't know. I think I'd fallen really behind in my podcast feed, mm. so I must have missed this. I didn't know that Elizabeth Day had launched a new podcast. Did you know this? I didn't know Elizabeth Day had launched a there new podcast. There you go. Podcast. Well, thanks to my there friend Chrissy for keeping us up to date, Sasha, because Ooh. she sent me a link to Elizabeth Day's new podcast, which is called Best Friend Therapy. Oh. And she started it with her best friend, who is a therapist. And her best friend is a therapist called Emma Reed Turrell. And the specific episode that I was listening to was called Relationship Games, which was the episode that Chrissy so lovingly sent me. And it was so good. I particularly loved... So um, Elizabeth's therapist friend, Emma, doesn't really disclose any of her personal experience Mm. understandably but she gives the therapist's perspective on the topics that they discuss whereas elizabeth day is being much more open about her personal experiences and in this episode her personal experiences of dating and the different games that she has played in friendships as well and other relationships there were two particular things that stood out to me which were playing the roles in romantic relationships of the cool girl or attempting to and also of the mother or fixer in the relationship and having Mm. well I don't think I've ever tried or even attempt like in my wildest dreams attempted to be the cool girl but definitely tried to be the mother or fixer in a relationship I just found it fascinating. So I highly recommend the episode is Relationship Games. We will obviously link to it in the show notes. And the series is called Best Friend Therapy. Oh, that sounds like a definite add to the list. I'm going to try that out. And what about watching? What have you watched? (sighs) Well, I was going to talk about the end of Peaky Blinders, but one, it's happened weeks ago. And two, you don't even watch it, Sasha. So I don't even know what to do with that. But one thing that I know we'll have both watched is Bridgerton. Don't tell me you haven't watched it. (laughs) That was on my short list. I was like, oh, I'll write down a whole bunch of things that I've watched because I've watched a lot of television lately. Um, But I mean, with COVID, it does make that happen. But yes, Bridgerton. Oh, my gosh. I think, may I say, I preferred the second season. I preferred yes. the the tension build up rather than the here's all the sex. <laughs> <laughs> but specifically, what I'm recommending, which no one else can actually experience, was watching it. And this may sound really weird, but watching it with my mum and stepdad was truly the funniest thing I have ever I wish I had done like a time-lapse record of us watching the last two episodes because it was genuinely the funniest thing. My stepdad was on the edge of his seat every episode, on the edge of his seat, clutched to his armchair, screaming at Anthony, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? Come on, Anthony. Stop messing around, Anthony. And then he'd just, every now and again, he'd he'd just throw out into the middle of conversation, it was but a bee. Just my stepdad <laughs> randomly saying that at points in the day. Anyway, so you can't experience that, but I can tell you that it was great. What did you think I of can, it? <laughs> I can tell from the way you're saying it. It sounds hilarious. Um, oh, I I really enjoyed this season and I loved the fleshing out of all the minor characters. Mm. I just thought Penn and Eloise were already 
so much fun from season one but I attributed that to the fact that I think they're very very good actresses who play those parts but the mother as well and I I just thought like the whole backstory was really beautifully done I mean yes you have to acknowledge that it's it's a trashy kind of it's candy fluff yeah it's fluff exactly so you know there's it's borrowing quite heavily I would say almost to the point of you know a beat for beat um plagiarism from Pride and Prejudice (laughs) in some parts yeah did you think that with the emerging from the water scene yeah (laughs) yeah and also just the whole like setup of um him slagging her off and her mm. overhearing him in the garden and oh, I yes, thought, of course. that's straight from Darcy and Elizabeth and then um the sparring afterwards and her just being like refusing to see reason or, or have any kind of softening of personality but I just yeah I did enjoy it I did think it was a bit ridiculous sorry spoiler alert I did think it was a bit ridiculous I got all the way to the like the aisle of marrying her sister and then it was only in that moment of like the physical connections that she went oh because I thought oh if you're in that level of denial you're just gonna marry him like but then I think <laughs> but then I think there was that really good okay yeah we are well into spoiler territory now and more for you yeah. at this point I really loved the bit though in the subsequent episode well the marriage episode I thought was really good because is it Edith or Edwina? Wasn't it the youngest? The younger sister was Edwina, I think. And Eloise? She, no, oh, Eloise is Bridgerton. No, I mean the younger who he was going to oh, marry. Oh, yes, Edwina. yes, yes, yes. So she kind of annoyed me, to be honest, as a character until that episode. And then it was all on her and she had all the power and the control and it was her decision as to what was going to happen. And I thought that was really brilliantly done. And then in the next episode, when um, Anthony and... Kate, Kate Sharma. Kate, Kate. And they're together in the living room and she turns around and she's like, were they always like this? And I just didn't even notice. And I'm like, brilliant. Yes, they were. That was a good line. I do remember loving that line. Oh, it was just, it was just like a warm cup of tea. You just went, I don't know why this is so good. And it probably shouldn't be, but it's just really making me feel just delightful right now. (laughs) I agree. Oh. I agree. Oh. And what? Yeah, a bit of a sigh. Oh. And <laughs> and what have you been watching? Oh, I've watched so much TV. I well, on my shortlist was Bridgerton. I finished. Um, I've been watching Tommy and Pammy. Tommy and Pammy. Pammy and Tommy, which you recommended last time. Um, I've watched British. Yeah, uh, Pam, very British. It a, it's. I think it's. Pam and Tommy. Pam and Tommy. Pam Why and am Tommy. I calling it Pam because and in our episode, I think I called it Pammy and Tom. In oh. all Pammy and Tom. I, I did it wrong, but it's see, it's Pam contagious. And Tommy. It's Pam and Tommy. I've watched that, and I've watched a very British scandal, which is the new version of um, a very English scandal, which was the Hugh Grant and uh, oh, what's his name? Ben Whishaw. Ben Whishaw. Uh, and this one is Paul Bettany and Claire Foy, which I'd also very, very much recommend. But I was going to talk about Anatomy of a Scandal, which I've also Yeah, so watched. many Scandal TV series. I was getting so confused between all of them. So I, I didn't think that 
I didn't think the Paul Bettany and Claire Foy one was linked in any way to the Hugh Grant. It's not. It's not. So you maybe, just mean... maybe I'll do a brief two-minute um, chat about both of them. A Very British Scandal is about, oh, and I'm going to completely forget her name now, the Duchess of Argyle, I believe, who uh, met her husband at the end of World War II, maybe 1949, I want to say, Um and Ma- she'd already been married before. She was a socialite. Uh, they kind of reveal in the opening scenes that she seemed to be all the time in page six, you know, very w- recognizable on trains in public. People often w- said, oh, I've seen your photo in the newspapers. She was kind of the Kim Kardashian, except the British, the British Kim Kardashian of her age. Um, she was always being photographed with men. And I think I remember reading a couple of months ago, actually, that when I, when I read an article about the scandal that it's based on, that she became so infamous that the princesses, uh, Elizabeth and Margaret, weren't allowed to be in a room alone, weren't allowed to be in a room with her at events because she was so n- notorious. So wow. the, the, the season kind of follows her marriage with Paul Bettany's character, the Duke of Argyle, and... They're both, I'm just going to say it, they're both not very nice people. I think in my mind he's nastier, but she's also not a great person. So it is one of those, it's not a tit for tat, but you can kind of see how they ended up in a hideous um, yeah, because it was like a huge. Cut, it was or, the first high-profile divorce of it, of the t- of ever, wasn't it? Really, I think. Yeah, and I think the point that the show is trying to make, and I I do agree with this. Uh, so mm. they were awful to each other. I'm just going to say that point blank. Um, but in the divorce proceedings, he had stolen uh, nude photos of her with another man that she had taken and presented them as evidence and it it seems to it seems to kind of be revealed that you know they really didn't need to have a lot to get divorced I mean I understand divorce wasn't something that people wanted in those days arguably ever but you know uh, you did have to go to court to get a divorce but I think they there was enough evidence that it could have just gone through but they decided to fight each other on the Mm. basis that she wanted to be able to divorce him and he wanted to be able to divorce her because of course in those days it couldn't be amicable and the reason that she decided to go ahead with it and fight it is that her lawyers advised her that the judgment summary would be I, I don't know enough about the legalese I've got to say but that the summary probably wouldn't be public or it wouldn't be lengthy and it wouldn't detail what had been revealed in the courtroom so she decided to go ahead with it on the basis that even though it would be covered in the papers all the papers would be gagged until the, the judgment came out and then the judgment probably wouldn't have much detail in it it would just say the duke or the duchess got to divorce the other half what happened is that this is the first case that that was not the case and the judge decided to write all the details of what had happened in the judgment and read them out and the reading out went for three and a half hours um and so essentially all of her private dirty laundry was aired uh so they said it was the first at the end they kind of say it's the first example of the media publicly shaming a woman 
for her sex life. I would have an argument with that. I'd say there's probably other examples. I'm not sure it's the first because <laughs> um, it was in the 60s. I'm sure women were shamed in some shape or form before the 60s uh, publicly in the media. But I do think it's a really it's a really fascinating story. And I could just watch Claire Foy in period drama costumes forever. Oh, she's brilliant. Where did you watch yes. that? Prime. Amazon okay. Prime. Brilliant. And then I would also say Anatomy of a Scandal, which I think I recommended the book version of a couple of months ago. Um, I'm sure everyone's watched it. It seems to be at the top of everyone's lists. Um, look, controversial take. I think it's pretty trashy. A lot of people seem to think it's really good. I think it's pretty trashy. Um, the whole plot line, sorry again, spoiler, is that one of the main characters was known to other main characters in when she was much younger and under the guise that she lost weight and went to Australia. No one seems to recognize her, which I had found <laughs> quite um, implausible. And then there's also a series of decisions that she's made that I think um, I just can't understand anyone outside of fiction both making that decision and getting away with it. Mm. So uh, fight me if you disagree, but that's where I'm coming down on it. <laughs> so would you recommend it? Oh, yes, because it's just, it's just, um, it's not fun. Sorry, it's not fun at all because it's about a, a rape trial, but um, it's compelling. And mm -hmm. Sienna Miller is at astonishingly beautiful and I did. Isn't what she? Isn't she? She has the most perfectly shaped mouth I always think <laughs> I well I also think I don't this is a bit gruesome of me really but I also think anyone who's got any passing interest in tabloids would be so aware of what she went through with Jude Law in the in the 2000s and this story is so close to the bone with that that I kind of thought oh that's so it's a brave choice to kind of decide to do do this series. Um, so I just find that always really interesting. And there you go. That's it. Well, does that bring us to the end of our return? Return to return to. I don't know what I'm saying. Return to the mic. Return to the mic. Except in the tune of Return of the Mac. Return. I don't know. Mac. We might need to return cut to this bit down. <laughs> I think so. I think that's it. Okay. Well, you can follow us on Instagram. We are at you certainly. We can. are at Three Wheeling Pod, where we sort of post tiles of the things that we've discussed. I don't even know whether the last episode we ever posted, but we'll definitely we will do it. We'll get we'll onto it. it. We'll get onto it. And um, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. So you could email us threewheelingpod at gmail dot com. Very good, Laurel. Thank you. Could you see the confusion in my face as I was getting I can see that? the like slight squinting in your eyes. Mm. You're trying to remember. And of course, if you enjoy our podcast, then please send it to a friend. Uh, that's the best way to help expand our small but mighty numbers out a little bit further. And, and let us know what you're listening, reading or watching as well. Because, you know, sometimes we need a recommendation as well. As you can hear from my reading list this month. <laughs> 
yeah give Sasha some reading lists give me some watching probably for sure and some listening clearly my friends are coming through on their listening recommendations so please give us more but for now bye Thank you.